0: my name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. Again, um, as we continue to make our way through the uh, letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 3, we're reading verses 12 through 14. And he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, everybody? How are we? Good, good. Uh, It was a fantastic weekend so far outside. Anybody getting to enjoy that? So far today, yeah, it's so good. Um, so those of you, we got a clap over there. Woo, Mother Nature! Um, we we love good, it when good, it starts to feel sweat. good outside. So, also welcome to those of you who are in Benton and worshiping no. online. No, I'm so glad y'all are fun. joining okay. us. Um, the over the last you know, couple of years and whatnot, and a lot of us have had a lot more comfort with um, things like Zoom, uh, which is everyone's favorite thing to hear. Hey, the next meeting is on Zoom. Like, uh. um, But uh, there's some ways, maybe even teachers especially been trying to figure out how to get people engaged on that. And I just want to try a simple game with you guys that is becoming a little bit common online. It's called Zoom Out. Um, where we'll, we'll start with a very tight picture, um, like we'll, way zoomed in, uh, and we'll try to guess what it is, and progressively we'll zoom out and see if we were right. So you might want to compete with the people who you're sitting next to. Um, so, okay, here's our first picture, um, and uh, it, just maybe in, any ideas, share those with the folks next to you. What do you think you're looking at? If you're online, you can do this at home. If you're in Benton, you can do it in there. Okay, take one step out. Anybody, anybody with me? If anybody was like, that's the inside of Brett's nose, you're wrong. Um, okay, one more, one more, one more. Oh, it's a puppy. Oh, this is so cute. Okay, um, next one. Let's, let's give this, uh, this next one a shot. Any ideas? Share that with the people around you. What do you think you're looking at? Okay, one step zoomed out. You use this on a regular basis to get into places. You know, one more? Yes, that's right, it's a key. It's weird when you zoom in, it's hard to recognize things. Okay, third set, third set. Here we go. Yeah, beautiful, huh? What is that? Any ideas, share with the people next to you? One zoomed out? Any closer, idea, any better ideas? Okay, one more, one more? Oh, that was cheese. It was melted mozzarella is what you were looking at and half of an olive. Yeah, anyway, and as someone, um, we might need to preach fast so that you can go eat some pizza. Um, after. Although, although that zoomed in shot, you may be like, I don't know, not as appetizing as it used to be. Here's, here's the thing about life. Um, sometimes, in order to get some perspective, we need to zoom out. And uh, often, we have the life that we're trying to live so close in front of us, it's hard to get a sense of, um, of, the, of the whole picture and we, uh, me maybe particularly, I can get very focused on what is my next thing, what is the thing that is right in front of me, um, and I can have a hard time uh, seeing how that fits into everything that I believe. And as Christians, um, we deal with a tension where we believe a lot of stuff. As a, follow, as a follower of Jesus, I um, imagine that you have a lot of beliefs about God if those line up with what the church has believed for thousands of years. We have some big thoughts And we have, like, the life we're trying to live each day, which is usually just trying to get to the next thing, and we're thinking about just our little world. And it can be difficult to connect those two. And Paul is writing to a a church in a town called Colossae. Um, It's one of the first churches. They're trying to figure this out. Um, They've got some good stuff going on in their church, and they've got some real challenges and some things that they're not good at as a church. I think sometimes in church world we can talk about the early church as if they were perfect. They weren't. They were, they were trying to wrestle some of these things out. And because they weren't perfect is why we have the majority of the New Testament, is the apostles writing into those contexts of people not doing things quite right and trying to help them get back on track and keep moving. So we're trying to do that too. That's just a part of the Christian life, and that's part of why the New Testament is helpful to us, is because just as they were trying to figure it out, we are also. And in this um, book, which we're taking one chapter at a time, uh, the first chapter, Paul had this, um, the Apostle Paul, this massive vision uh, and huge language about the person of Jesus. And in the second chapter, there was some of that, although it was a little more practical, And here in the third chapter, I want to show you how he starts and kind of where he's going and, um, and talk about how we can connect the dots between the two. Here's the beginning of chapter three. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Zoom out. Zoom out. Remember the big picture here. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your mind on things above not on earthly things for here's here's the big picture you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life appears then your life will appear with him in glory this is quite the big picture that Paul zooms these people out to that are trying to deal with everyday things. And notice the present tense language that he's he's trying to anchor them in. This isn't about something that's just, you know, maybe going to happen um, or something that happened way in the past. He's talking about your current reality is that you have been raised with Christ, that you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I honestly, I don't even... Um, Think that I could wrap my head around everything he's trying to say with that. What does that mean? That my life is right now is hidden with Christ in God. I don't even understand all that. But I I believe that that is my current reality. That is like the biggest zoomed out picture is that somehow that my life takes place inside of Christ, God who came for me, died for me, rose again for me, made a way for me to live in a new world. That is where my life is. Now, I I tend to be um, a bit more of a a heady person, a little more um, kind of big picture. I'm not super practical Uh, I can tend to think that just because we've talked about something that we've done it. Um, And then there are people around me that that are more practical on how to actually live out their life a day at a time. Um, And so you guys may have guessed, I'm not in charge of the finances in our home, because yeah, um, because if I did, I would just be wondering about how we all feel about that, right? Um, And and, uh, I, I have a spouse who's really good with like what we actually do. I know you may not feel like you spent $50 on coffee this week, but here's what happened, right? And so we have to deal with the reality, like how do we connect our big picture stuff to our practical life. And and here's how he ends the chapter. Check out where he's going with this. And then I want to talk about how to connect the dots. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting for the Lord. For those of you that just got mad that I quoted that on Mother's Day, hang on, we're coming back to it. We'll put it into some perspective here. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for it pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Here's the, the most challenging one for us in our current context. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid their wrongs. There is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. He jumps from the incredibly zoomed out big picture to the incredibly practical. We're going to talk about how this changes the relationships that go on in your own home day to day. And a, a couple of things to notice there. Um, he has three sets of two relationships, right? Um, kind of the either side of these three relationships. He talks about, first he talks about wives and husbands, then um, parents or um, fathers and children, um, and then masters and slaves. And, and there's something incredibly practical about what he's talking about. But, but notice there's also something incredibly radical in what's going on. Uh, because in each of these three sets, the first one that he speaks to is entirely expected in their culture. It would have been very normal and expected for someone to say, in their culture, wives, submit to your husbands. Because in in their culture, husbands had all the authority and could do anything they wanted to or with their wives with no question or recourse in their society. And then he does something incredibly radical and he says, husbands, husbands, do not be harsh with your wives. Love them. Pour your lives out for them. In Ephesians, Um, He he has some similar language, and he starts the whole passage by saying, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It would have been entirely unexpected for him to look at, at the husbands and say, And you need to reflect the love of Christ also. It would have been completely expected for him to look at the children in their society who had no rights, who parents could do anything to or with their children, order them to do anything that they wanted to. They had no protection in their society. It would have been entirely expected for him to look at children and say, obey your parents, completely unexpected and radical, for him to say, fathers, do not make your children bitter by how you treat them. Do not make your children bitter. Be careful with how you treat your children. That was entirely unexpected. The, uh, like I said, the most challenging one for us is when he talks about slaves and masters. Like slavery was super common in their society. It, it, was, do, it doesn't seem like it was as harsh or as brutal or severe as what happened on our continent. Um, so when we talk about slavery, uh, the picture that comes up in our mind um, is probably much harsher than what was going on in their society. Um, h- however, it was still a, a serious reality. Um, and a couple of things it would have been entirely expected Right, for him to say, slaves, obey your masters. That was very normal in, in their world. And, and someone might understandably say, how, how could he say that? Well, a couple of things just talking about. First of all, every chance Paul gets, he undermines the institution of slavery when it comes up, as he does in the next thing that he says. Every chance he gets. Second of all, it's interesting to me that he is writing from a Roman prison where he has been unjustly imprisoned. And so here is a man who is experiencing a system of injustice. And when he talks about, as a prisoner, still giving honor and respect to the people who have imprisoned him, which he does on multiple occasions, I think what he's saying is, he is this doesn't make the situation okay. The situation is still wrong. However, I will not let the situation define how I act in it. That what defines me is what Christ has done for me and so I will not act out of injustice because I have been treated unjustly. I will act as though my life is hidden with Christ in God no matter what you do to me. And then he says to master something completely unexpected, you are going to be held accountable for how you treat your servants and your slaves. That would have blown their society up and he grounds people there. Now, I I know that deserves its own whole sermon. How does Paul get from this massive concept? Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You will be raised in glory. You have died. What does that even mean? How does he get from that to this incredibly practical and radical reality? I I think I want to see if we can bridge the gap together over the next few minutes, because whatever that was in that church, I want I want some of that here and so here's how he goes about leading down that road verse 5 we can go back up a little bit in the chapter put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires and greed which is idolatry because of these the wrath of god is coming you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So they used to do that stuff, but they figured that out, how to move on from that. But you now must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So Paul talks about this journey from our old reality, our earthly nature, into our new reality, where he talks about us being clothed in Christ. And here, I think it's interesting, he takes time to name some things that they, had going on in their lives and in their church, and he, they set those aside, like they, they moved on from those. He, he names some of them um, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, um, because of these the wrath of God is coming. And he says, you used to live in those, but then he says, you must now, you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. And he gives a list, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying, stuff like that. And here's the thing. Whatever this meant in their little community, there were things when they started their journey with Jesus that were easy for them as a community to say, hey guys, this is unacceptable for us. We need to set this aside. We need to move on from this and not do that anymore. And as a community, they were pretty much able to do that. But then there were some other things that as a community, they should have been able to identify and move on from, but they kind of just never got around to it and kind of just gained acceptance in, in their church as this stuff is bad and we should get rid of it. This stuff, eh, let's just, let's just kind of make room for it and, and ignore it that it's here. Now, what could that be for our church here? I'll bet it's different because their culture was so different. Like moving to this incredibly practical issue of how we do that. Um, I think uh, whatever the, the things that we name are, it's interesting to me that he says we need to put to death the things that belong to our earthly nature. The New Testament was written in Greek, um, and the Greek uh, word there um, is necrosite, Um, To make dead, uh, to put to death, or to slay, I think is kind of a literal idea there. And so that's this very active, strong sense to put to death. But then there's this other sense um, that's like to deprive of power or to destroy the strength of, which feels more progressive and um, long-term. Like if the first set, Um, To to make dead is like, I'm going out with an axe and I'm cutting the tree down. Uh, The next set to deprive of power is maybe like, I'm going to stop feeding that thing. It's going to stop getting water and food. And eventually that thing is going to shrivel and we'll be able to pull that weed up and it's going to go away. Whatever that is, I think that there are some things in our lives that we can just take out and throw out and move on from. There's other things that it seems like we have to take time to deprive it of power. And we end up taking a step in the right direction. Uh, When he's uh, addressing this, he he talks about this progressive sense a little bit at a time um, when he says, you have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. like it, We are in process. It's like a seed has been planted and we need to nurture the good thing as the old thing dies. Now, if we're talking about progress and steps that we take, I, I want to just get practical with this for a, a, a few minutes. Like maybe let's talk about forgiveness, which he specifically names in the next section of scripture. It is okay to talk about steps along the road. Maybe your journey of forgiveness starts at this place. I want to hit you with my car. Has, has anybody ever been there with somebody? Just giggles. I don't, I, I've got to take that as yes. Look, progress, I think often the next step looks like this. I want someone else to hit you with their car. Right, that's progress. And as your pastor, I want to celebrate with you when you have moved from "I want you to," uh, I want to murder you, to "I want someone else to accidentally kill you." I will throw a party with you and pray with you, and we will thank God for your progress in this journey. <laughs> right? This is, this is a step. I'm, I'm I'm joking halfway. Okay, maybe a next step past that is something like "I I agree that forgiveness is good, probably." I, I can mentally ag- agree that would probably be good. And I want to celebrate that step with you. Maybe maybe a next step after that is something like, I want to forgive. I'm just not ready yet. I can't yet. I'm trying, I can't. But I want to. Maybe one thing past that is, I forgive you. Now, now maybe there's all of these little sub-steps in there. I know this is, but here's the thing we are constantly trying to put to death, to deprive power to unforgiveness in our life. We're trying to deprive it power. And we are trying to be transformed into our new self, one step at a time into the image of our creator, Jesus. And we want to celebrate each step along the road. Uh, one of the things that we've said with this series is uh, some, something that is incredibly difficult for us to talk about, incredibly guarded and personal. And, and, and maybe one of those things that um, in our church would be okay to hold on to is like control around our own personal finances and the conversation around, around giving, especially giving into a local church where we are being discipled, where we are trying to make an impact on the world, where we are trying to care for one another. But that conversation around money is so hard to have. And so maybe just some steps along the way as we could talk about this. This isn't about um, amount of money. This isn't about income. There's no pressure or guilt. We talked about last week. There is no law. But let's just talk about maybe what some steps would look like. Maybe there's um, a first-time giver, um, someone who's never given before, and they want to give something. There is discipleship happening in this community. I want to contribute to that in a very practical way radical way, and we want to celebrate that step with somebody the first time they engage with that. That's a big deal, uh, but maybe there's something past that, and we could say it's maybe like a, like a regular um, giver. I, I've given occasionally, but today I'm going to um, begin regularly giving a set amount that I'm comfortable with, and an action step, um, next slide, would, would look like this, so you would determine um, what some sort of regular dollar amount might be. Um, what that would actually look like for you. This is the stuff that's hard for me. To move from like ideas that I feel good about to what does that actually mean? And have a conversation and intentionality around that. And how often would that happen? Um, maybe we'd, we'd move from um, an intentional giver um, to uh, something like this. Oh, sorry. Um, go, back, go back a slide. Um, so you've invested regularly from regular to intentional. Um, but you want to move to, uh, to giving a substantial portion of your income. We talked about last week that in the Old Testament, there's like a, like a shadow or a guideline around what's called tithing. Like, and I talked about how I've, I've tithed every day of my life that I've had a job since I was like 14. You know, that was a starting place for for me. Um, so yeah, moving forward. Um, so you might determine what percentage of, of that would be for you. I, I know people have different capacity. Um, Again, in life situations, um, this is just maybe a way to have an intentional conversation and figure out what that is. Uh, past that would be something like an expanded giver, that someone who wants to stretch um, the percentage of, or level that they're investing in, in their community that's outside of their comfort zone. Um, and, and an action step would just look like having that same conversation, but saying, I want to stretch into that because I think that there are good things that are going on in our local community that I want to sacrifice for. And then something beyond that would look maybe like what we could call like a a legacy giver. Um, There are people that want to give something that will outlast them in their church. And maybe it's um, looking at assets that they have that could be leveraged to support their kingdom's work. I just want you all to know, there are some incredibly humble and generous people in our congregation who you would never guess that that you would never be able to pick out that have sacrificed because they want you to have a place to grow in your walk with Jesus. And because they want their grandkids or their neighbors or their friends who are struggling in their marriage or their addictions or their own spiritual journey, they want them to have a place to grow. I, I, yesterday, um, I was out serving with one of our mission partners, and it was really sweet um, to see, like, this whole community coming around, and, um, and I saw some of you there helping people who don't have much get some food, get a haircut, have a conversation with some resources in town that could help them take their next step. M- maybe you say that that's, that's worth giving to and investing in. I've seen a lot of life change lately through things like Alpha. And last week, Rooted, we had baptisms here on stage and dozens of people talking about life change that's happened. I think it's worth moving towards. The question is, is what, what would be a next step for you? Something that we could intentionally name. Uh, maybe the question of why, whether we're talking about forgiveness, personal finance, um, our, our marriage and, and what comes out of our, our mouth and how we serve people and, and how we care for those that we go to work with, e- every aspect of our life. Why is it worth figuring out how to put to death the old self and be transformed into the image of Jesus? Um, verse 12, therefore is God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. Isn't that great? That's where he, after he's pushed on people a little bit, He wants to remind him, you are holy, and you are dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. He he has this picture of like, this is what it can look like. It can look like the body of Christ clothing themselves with love and how they interact with one another. And he uses the, the imagery of a body, one body. See, here's the thing. When we're all zoomed in on just our life, it's tough to figure out how I should act, or what I should do with my resources, or how I should treat people, or why does it really matter if I do X or Y? And he frames it in we are all connected to each other. And what happens in me, whether you know it or not, impacts the love that I can share with you. And what happens in your life, whether people see it or not, whether it's in secret or in public, whatever it is, It impacts the rest of the body. It is an opportunity for you to love each other by how you choose to be transformed. When I was in high school, I had this problem. Here's more information than you want. With my toes. I had serious problems with ingrown toenails. Have any of you ever had ingrown toenails? I I had to regularly have surgery to remove them. Surgery where they just sit you down and it's like, I didn't even get numbed up sometimes. It was was just shy of, bite this piece of leather, you know. And and they eventually had to, like, remove them permanently and, like, kill the um, cells with acid so that I don't grow new toenails on my big toes. Super cute. Um, And here's the thing, is they would pull out this thing that was, like, this big, a spike sticking into the side of my toe. It's not that big. But I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk. A 16-year-old kid couldn't walk. You know, just hobbling around. And I think sometimes we forget that just, I'm just one part of the body. But if I am unhealthy, it matters to you whether you know it or not. It impacts you whether you know it or not. If I am healthy, it impacts you whether you know it or not. And so when we invite Jesus to transform every part of us, it is because we are one body. Let's zoom out a little bit and kind of get a picture of the whole. And it is a chance to clothe ourselves in love because it impacts everyone around us. And and just to wrap up, he talks about let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. In verse 16, he says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Both of those times he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, and then let the message of Christ dwell among you, This is all a conversation, not about what we make happen in our lives, but about our willingness to surrender. It's about letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. The peace of Christ wants to rule in our hearts. Our job is just to let it. The message of Christ is trying to dwell among us. Our job is to say, instead of feeding my earthly nature, I will surrender and let God transform me. And then the message of Christ gets to dwell among us. It's not a conversation about what we need to try hard to do, it's a conversation about our willingness to surrender, and when that happens, God's love is poured out. And and he has this, this thing at the end, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was taking a walk over at the university, because it's a good place to walk, and I ran into my buddy, Matt, who's a pastor in town. Um, and we started talking and nerding out about the book of Colossians because it's what pastors do when they run into each other on walks. And, uh, and he said, oh, oh, our favorite phrase that we used, so by the way, I am stealing from another church in town, is about this passage. He says, it is all of life for all of Jesus. All of life for all of Jesus, whatever you do in word or deed, whether we're talking about my forgiveness or my, my um, relationships with my significant others or my sexuality or my money or how I treat my coworkers or how I'm a parent or how I'm a husband, whatever it is, whatever you do, we can do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's, here's the thing. Our life is hidden with Christ and God right now, and we are members of one body, and this is how we love each other well. So let's, let's take a minute and pray. Lord, right now, um, I pray that you would help us identify maybe um, some things in our life wherever we are on our journey with you, uh, maybe parts of our old self, that we have already moved on from, that we've set aside, that we have deprived that thing of power and we are being transformed around that. Would you just bring one of those to mind for each of us so that we can hear you say, well done, well done, you were able to move on from that, set that aside, well done. And now, Lord, would you help us name some area of our life that we struggle to let you rule in? We That's we, hard for us, maybe because it seems in, entirely acceptable um, in our community or our world, or maybe we just hold on to that real tight. Would you just help us identify that, Lord Jesus? And God, would you reveal to us what a, what a next step would look like? God, I thank you that you care about the practical and you call us to the radical. That you're not a God that just leaves us with philosophy to figure out. You care about how we treat each other because you want us to love each other and experience that kind of joy together as a community. So help us to love each other well by letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and letting the message of Christ dwell among us and that everything we do in word and deed would be all in the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to LaCroixChurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out and we hope to see you soon.